Did you have a huge initiation when you became a mother? Maybe you realized that being a mother was your soul's calling. Or maybe you realized that being a mother wasn't the most comfortable spot for you. And maybe that relationship with being a mother has actually changed throughout the years and through all the cycles. Today's guest, Rachel Lowenhertz, is here to share with us what she's learned about motherhood, claiming her wisdom, and finding her feminine power. Join us to find out more. Join us on this beautiful journey. So let the show. Before we start this episode, I, Carrie Hummingbird, and I, Akeem Sami, want you to know that you are invited. You're invited to, to join, join Soul Nectar Tribe. Tribe. If you like what you hear on Soul Nectar Show, you will love being in person with us in Soul Nectar Tribe. We invite you to check it out. First 30 days is free. Right now, go to carriehummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com, forward slash membership, and sign up. We'll We'll see see you at at our our next next tribe gathering. gathering. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where you gather around the campfire with us and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably to a discovery of ourselves at deeper and deeper levels. And you might wonder, how deep does a rabbit hole go? And I'm not sure any of us really know the answer to that question because we just keep traveling deeper and deeper into that question and discovering more and more and more. And that's kind of the fun of coming on the Soul Nectar Show week after week is these discoveries. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. And I love these kind of discoveries. I love these conversations, especially conversations like we're going to have today around motherhood and wisdom and feminine power. These are all things close to my heart because of course, I'm having that life experience this time around. And it's something that I'm deeply exploring is what is motherhood? What does that mean? How do we be a good mother? What is the initiation into motherhood? How does that awaken us? How is that part of the awakening cycle for a person in a female body that's going through that process of birthing? And what does that say about our overall birthing cycle as a human being on this planet at this time of the great awakening? These are all really profound questions that I know we're going to touch on, explore, and some of them deeply with today's guest, Rachel Lowenhertz. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you, Carrie. I'm so delighted to be here. And you and I had such fun a few weeks ago when you came on my show. I know. I'm so excited. I, I We had such a great conversation and I feel such synergy in the conversations that we've been sharing together this time that we've been getting to know each other. And you know, I'm going to let you guys know a little bit about Rachel because I already know some stuff about Rachel. Let me share with you. So Rachel is the CEO of the Uncorporates and a former Yale-educated tech marketer. When she became a mom, she woke up to her soul's calling, and now she guides women through the profound initiations of pregnancy and motherhood 
so they can claim their wisdom, find their feminine power, and create a life and a business to match. She is the host of the Divine Feminine CEO podcast, which I have an episode over there, and a founder of the Mother Change System. And I took her her uh, initiation test to quiz to see what kind of mother archetype I was. And we'll keep that a secret for now until we get more into the show. So I want to just ask you, I always ask my guests, Rachel, to start us off to get to know you a little bit better. I know that you worked in um, tech. Of course, I also worked in tech. You know, that was a starting point for me. It's an interesting starting point. This seems so opposite from, you know, the kind of work that we do now. But what um, what was it that really woke you up? Was it your your motherhood experiences? Dive us deeper into your story. Yeah, so my story is a pretty interesting one. And in a lot of ways, it's been a remembrance. It's been a returning to who I always was. Because when I was younger, I actually wanted to be a rabbi for most of my most of my life until my senior year in college. And I remember I was applying to rabbinical school. And I heard this voice that said, these are not your people. And I was like, what do you mean? These are not my people. I consider myself to be Jewish, but I went with it. And I ended up starting my career in market research, asking questions, getting to know people, because to be honest, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I figured the best way to figure that out would just be to ask questions and understand and continue that journey of discovery. And so I went down that path. I ended up moving into product marketing in the tech industry. You know, I was your typical gal that came out of the Ivy League and I was really driven. I was really successful. I was very fast paced. And I was lucky. I married my college sweetheart. So Dan and I just celebrated our 10 year wedding anniversary and we decided to start a family. And I was 26 at the time. So most of my friends weren't even married at that point. Um, and here we were. And we started to have, we tried to have children in our first month trying, we got pregnant with identical twin girls. So here I was and my life had been following what I thought was a very linear path. And then when I was 20 weeks pregnant, we lost our girls. And all of a sudden I was in this, what I call now a crucible, which is essentially a phase that we move through in our life that is challenging. It pressurizes us and it changes us. And so I would say that what kind of awoke me to my path in some ways, awoke me to that remembrance of what I was always meant to do, it was motherhood. It was what I now call the mother change. Because then I had my son and I went back to corporate. And I remember when I was pregnant with him, I had a coworker, a male coworker who said to me, he was like, are you going to continue working after you have kids? And to be honest, I was really offended. I was like, what do you mean? Of course I'm going to keep working. My mother worked. And it didn't occur to me that something might happen when I birthed this being that would make my job feel unfulfilling. But turns out it did. And I went back to corporate and you know, here I was following this executive pathway and suddenly there was no part of it that worked for me anymore. I didn't care about the promotions. I didn't care about the money. After all I had been through, I was like, I went through all this to be here instead of with my son, instead of with where my soul is calling me. And that really began my journey into the feminine. So I left corporate at the time. My husband had a company that I went to run. That was my first CEO type role. And then my husband got really, really sick. 
And we had to actually shut down that business. And this was when my son Gideon was about 18 months old. So I went back to corporate because I was the sole breadwinner. I was a mother, I was a caregiver. And my life really, it was incredibly tumultuous. And I didn't know what the path through that storm would look like. And ultimately, I got to the point where I I said to myself, I was like, I have to make more money than I do in corporate because I have to support my family. And somehow I have to do it all without burning out because that's literally not an option for me right now because everyone was depending on me. So I've been journeying into the feminine for a number of years because I think for many of us, when we become mothers, we realize that we can't push our bodies the way that we used to. We can't balance all the parts of our life the way that we used to because there's so much more that's on our plate. And so when I decided to start the Uncorporate, at the time, my goal was really to help mothers like myself start businesses, start businesses without burning out. And that was my tagline, business without burnout. And it's funny because I still teach that and it's very powerful. But about a year, year and a half ago, maybe six months into my business, I got pregnant again. And thankfully my husband was doing better at the time, but I got pregnant with another daughter and I lost her at 16 weeks. And what was interesting about that is during her pregnancy, she really cracked me open spiritually. So I've had many flavors of mother initiation and with each pregnancy, with each birth, I've been opened up to more of what was already inside me. That five-year-old Rachel who wanted to be a rabbi had access to. And then, you know, 20-year-old Rachel kind of forgot. So after losing Rebecca, I took a long sabbatical to really heal and go deep into some of the trauma work. And as I'm sure you'll know, Carrie, that's always such a portal into spiritual growth for us. And on the other side, I decided to really take the journey for those that I serve back to the beginning, to that catalyst. Because what I found is that these women, these ambitious, smart, driven entrepreneurs who were coming to me, they all found that catalyst with the mother change. Something shifted in them and they went back to these careers that were serving them before and suddenly they weren't serving them anymore. And they wanted authentic success, even though they didn't know what that meant. They wanted flexibility. They wanted balance, but they didn't know how to create it. So that in a nutshell is is what my journey has looked like. It's been one of many awakenings and I still feel like I'm quite early on the path. It is a lot to have gone through in such a short amount of time. I will say that is, first of all, my heart is just open with you sharing about your losses. And thank you so much for being willing to come out and speak about those things so openly because that's an experience that women have that seems to be hard to talk about openly and hard to share. And so thank you for for being willing to do that. And I also think I really resonate with what you're talking about with so many smart women needing to find another way to make business work for them because We do have these um, other ambitions and we have an awareness when we start to get woken up that it's, you know, such a key part of health is to have spaciousness and to be able to connect with family and loved ones in a meaningful way. And in this like having it all idea of the 80s, you know, I remember like this idea of having it all and like women were just like lugging their kid, you know, sort of like a a suitcase toe behind, you know, it's like... (laughs) 
how we're we're opening to how can we be the most loving, the most kind, the most supportive, most conscious parent, and also be breadwinners, you know, and that is, it's a lot on our plates. It's a lot. It is really a lot. And I think this generation, we face many challenges because we are awakening, I think, faster than you know, my mom in the eighties. And it's funny because I'm styling a photo shoot right now and I'm going to be wearing some of the blazers that my mom wore in the eighties. And I remember her in that power suit because that's how she had to go to work. She had to go to work in that armor so she could succeed in a male dominated industry. But now, you know, we are awakening to the fact that we can have it all, but it has to look different. It has to look really different than how we've been culturally entrained. And I think that especially as mothers, I mean, I was telling you, Carrie, before we started recording that my son was sick this week. He was home from school for a few days and he was sleeping with me. And there's just nothing you can do about it. You have to learn to move through it and dynamically balance. And it's really hard because, you know, when I went to to college, there was no class on creating dynamic balance in your life when you have children. It's something that we really have to discover for ourselves. And in a lot of ways, it's hidden because when we go onto Instagram, when people share about themselves, and I think that this is changing to some degree, we want to share everything that looks really rosy. We don't always talk about how hard it is to be a parent, to be an entrepreneur and how you have to make some very fluid trade-offs between kind of what's present in your life at the moment. Yes, I remember this. I mean, I'm on the other side of that journey, but um, when I was in that spot when my kids were just born, I remember I hired a nanny. That was my solution because I was going to try to be at home. And then I was like, I, for me, it was a really uncomfortable to be a full-time mom. And I, I needed to bring in some money. I needed to have that aspect of my life, like be busy with something intellectual and, and have that part of my life going on. So I had the nanny and I remember my son used to stand. I had I had this office with like just a little child gate. It was sort of like we we took the laundry room and we converted it into my office mm-hmm. with like built-in cabinets and things because we lived in a small house in San Jose, California. And he would just stand at the gate and take toys and throw them at the back of my head. <laughs> I'd be like, well, hello there, Garrett. You know, I guess you want some more attention. I'm actually working on a business project right now. I love you. Where's the nanny? You know, like, you're supposed to be with her right now. It's, it's a confusing thing to work from home. I'd like to talk to you about that a little bit, you know, and then I want to hear about your archetypes because you have some great archetypes. But, you know, that whole balance of like the messages that the kids get, you know, on the other side of that journey, I, I've seen some different things. So what I see, what I saw and what I thought was, hey, I'm keeping them at home. I'm not going to send them off. You know, I'm going to keep them at home the first few years and they're going to be with me and they're going to, you know, have the nanny and then they'll have like their playmate because I always had a nanny that had a child the same age, right? So I was balancing like they have a playmate, they've got, you know, her, then they've got me so they can come breastfeed right with me. They don't have to like be bottle fed. And, you know, so I was like being really smart, I thought. And then I realized, um, yeah, now that they're grown, they're like, oh, mom, you've always been working. Like you're mm-hmm. always working and you didn't have time for me. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was home, you mm-hmm. know, but there was like this idea because I realized psychologically they could see me and they couldn't mm-hmm. have me versus me being off someplace that they didn't know where I was and I was disappeared and they didn't think about me. And then I came home mm-hmm. and everyone's happy. 
I noticed them treat their dad different who did that than me who was home. And I was like, I'm here all the time. What are you talking about? (laughs) Like your perception is so interesting. Talk about that a little bit, because that's such an interesting dilemma that I found in my entrepreneurial motherhood journey. I have definitely experienced that. And it's funny because I go to pick up my son or sometimes my husband picks him up at 3.30 and he gets home and then he gets to hang out with me at four in the afternoon. And, And then I have to go back and finish up some work at the end of the day. And he always says, mommy, why won't you play with me more? And I say to him, I'm like, my mom didn't get home from work until 6 p.m. And we sat down to dinner as a family. And an hour later, I was in bed. Like the amount, the sheer amount of time and access that he has to me. I mean, it's, there's no comparison between what I had growing up, but you're right. I think it's that perception of accessibility and it makes it harder to balance because he, we don't have the strongest boundaries, I think, between our family life and work. And I think that in some ways, that's the benefit of being an entrepreneur is that you can blend it together. And when you love your work, that's something that you naturally desire to do. But I think it can also be harder for kids because they do require, you know, they like structure. They really thrive with structure. So yeah, it's absolutely tough. I mean, he, he runs into my Zoom meetings naked sometimes. And, you know, because of who I work with, it's not a big deal. You know, if it, this was happening in my corporate role, I think I'd be a little more concerned. But but it's hard because I think as moms, we're always on. We're always on and we're not always tuned into where our life force is going because the drains can be very stealthy, especially when you have little kids, especially if you're an entrepreneur. And so something that I teach a lot when I'm working with all moms, but especially entrepreneurs, is cultivating the ability to tune into in where is my life force level today and then where is it starting to leak out and how do we plug that faster so that you can save that capacity for what really matters because so often we're just not conscious of it. Yeah. It's that not stepping over any of the little things, you know, and even if if I did then what I know now, what I, I think what I would do is really differently. Um, I like having my child with me at home. So I, I actually prefer that. And, but I had this thing of being, and I think it's because of the work world being so, the corporate world being so rigid and maybe it's softened up a bit in the last 20 years, it's possible. But I just remember being so concerned that there'd be no background noise if I was taking a call or that there'd be no children present when I'm working, that kind of thing. And then when I started studying shamanic pathways and I started getting um, involved with indigenous cultures, I noticed how they keep their kids with them through all through everything. So their kids are there through ceremonial work. Their kids are there all the time and they don't make any boundaries. The kids are always flowing in and out with them and they just they just know how to manage that. Maybe it's not as easy because the work that we're doing is um when you know typically the work we're doing as entrepreneurs here is more more head heady, more mental. And for me, I need to focus, you know, so mm-hmm. to get that work done, I need to have focus time and quiet. But, you know, does that, is that really a problem that kids learn that there's times that they need to be quiet and times, you know, that mommy needs to focus and times that we can be loud and playful and, and fun, you know, so there's like different times, right? There's, it's just all an education. It really is. And honestly, I wouldn't trade the flexibility and the ability to integrate those parts of my life for anything. So my son has a Zoom music theory class because he takes guitar 
and it's on Tuesday afternoons. So he does it in my office right behind me here. And I work at my desk and I'm actually really productive during that time. And he gets my presence. He can pop over and ask me questions. And it does feel beautifully integrated, but I do have to be mindful about, you know, choosing tasks that don't require a lot of focus during that time. But it was interesting when you were talking about the shamanic practices and the ways in which we weave our kids into ceremony. I've tried to do that quite a bit with my son. And what's interesting is that, and I think this is the case with kids for, you know, young kids for really anything, but they have to see you do something a lot of times before they internalize it. But once they do, it's really there. So for example, I work with shamanic visioning and meditation. And so I'll create space to do that. And sometimes he comes in and he can hear the drum and he can hear the guided meditation that I'm listening to. And he'll be like, mommy, what are you doing? But what was fascinating is the other day he got upset. And I said, Gideon, can you calm your body? Can you do some breathing? And he went like this and he put his hands in prayer position and he goes, ah, I feel calm now. Uh-huh. And it was just so beautiful because you realize that they are all watching. And even when it feels like, you know, you're banging your head against the wall, they are absorbing it. And so I think that is one of the beautiful parts of being in their space. And, and we are able to do that more as entrepreneurs. That's so beautiful. So yes, I agree. I love being an entrepreneur and a mom. I wouldn't have chosen it any other way. I liked being able to nurse and hold my kids during the day. I enjoyed, I enjoyed when they went to school. I enjoyed seeing them after school. Um, yeah, it's all, it's all good. And now they're gone. So I'm like, you know, tears of sadness. <laughs> like I miss my sons, but that's part of the journey too. So Tell us about your four types, because I know that I took your quiz. Rachel has an awesome quiz, by the way, for all the mothers out there. I took the quiz, and you guys can guess which one I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And maybe we'll reveal after I give an overview. Yeah, so if you're listening right now, and you're a mom, or you know a mom, go take the quiz now, actually, because it'll give you some additional perspective into this conversation. So it's motherchangequiz.com. It'll take you two minutes. It's super fast. So... The mother change quiz is real and the archetypes are really designed around the idea that we are not all the same, but we all experience transformation when we carry a soul, when we birth a soul, whether or not that child is living when they come out. It's an initiation for all of us, but that initiation has different flavors that ushers in certain types of wisdom and also certain types of challenges. So it's really a beautiful portal into some awareness around what it is that you actually need, starting to receive that, and then some of the ways that we're successful in our lives. So it's not just like, what mother type are you? This is a very deep archetypal system that will give you insight into really what you need at a soul level to be happy and to thrive. So the mother change system has four archetypes. And the first archetype is the shadow mother. And I'm a shadow mother. Everyone has a primary and a secondary. All these archetypes live within us. And that's how archetypes work in any system. But you'll have some that manifest more prominently than others. So the shadow mother, she is initiated by death. Her womb is literally quickened by death because she experiences pregnancy loss, whether she chooses that loss or it happens by chance she goes through a very particular initiation because for all of us, when we're pregnant, the veils become very thin and we're sharing our physical space with another soul. 
So we have to change to make room for that being. We change when that being is birthed. And then on the other side, we're different because there's a void within us. And what happens when a void is created? Well, eventually it gets filled. That's how conception happens. It's how creation works. And I'll tell you a quick story before I go deeper into the shadow mother. And you may have heard this one, Carrie, but there was an old sage, an old Chinese sage, and he was meeting with his student, his protege, and he was pouring a cup of tea. And his student sits down and he starts to pour the cup of the tea and it gets to the top and the sage keeps pouring keeps pouring and the tea's overflowing and the student's starting to get a little confused and stressed out. Does my teacher know what's going on here? He's creating a big mess. And he's finally, he says, master, the tea's, the cup is full. You should stop pouring the tea. And the master says, exactly. You are the cup. You are full. So go empty yourself out and then I can teach you. And I think in many ways, this is how the mother change happens because we go into the void. So for the shadow mother, this is especially potent because her void, it's filled with death. It's a death void rather than a creation void. And so what happens is she's actually forced to go on a healing journey. And this is the first way that I initiated to motherhood. So some of the gifts that come with the shadow mother is she ends up as a wounded healer which is the most powerful type of healer because she's able to guide others from her experience, whether it's other mothers who lose pregnancies or she weaves it into her work. There are a lot of different ways that this shows up for shadow mother. And she ends up deeply compassionate. That's another one of her gifts. But some of her challenges are empowering herself with the wisdom from her experience and really claiming that narrative so that she can be celebrated for it. Because as you said earlier, Carrie, most women don't talk about loss. Most women aren't considered mothers when they lose a pregnancy. And so I've actually made a point to, because I often get asked on the playground or at birthday parties, oh, do you have just the one child? And I always respond, no, I have four, but only one is living because I am a mother to four children. It's just that shadow mother often isn't seen that way. So one of her challenges is really going into her experience, healing that and claiming the wisdom that she gained so that she can be celebrated for it because it's so important. And she becomes massively powerful once she moves through this process. So that's the first archetype. The second archetype is the Phoenix mother. And if you're listening to this show and you're a mom, my guess is you're probably a Phoenix mother because these are the moms who really have a strong awakening through pregnancy and birth and motherhood. So these are the ones who suddenly feel like, I don't know who I am anymore. I feel like a completely different person on the other side of motherhood. They go back to their corporate jobs and they feel soul-sucking. I hear the word soul-sucking a lot because their soul has awakened. They are suddenly conscious in ways that they weren't before. And unfortunately for the Phoenix mother, she actually goes through a series of initiations. So her body's more sensitive. She finds that she needs more naps and more yoga and more green juice than any of her friends just to feel like herself. She looks around and she thinks, what am I doing wrong? Because this all feels really, really hard. But at the same time, her intuition starts to become louder and louder because she can begin to hear what's within her. And that's usually what pulls her often towards starting a business because she needs to find something that lights her up in that new way. So the thing about the Phoenix mother is she needs more care, but she also has to do sacred work. She has to do work that feels very intentional for her or she's not fulfilled. And that's very key for her to succeed. 
Now, legacy mother is a little bit different because she becomes fully embodied in her purpose when she has her kids. Now, I think we all have a little bit of legacy mother in us. I know that when I first held my son in my arms, I felt like, wow, I I suddenly know the purpose of life. But legacy mother, her work is a little bit less important than Phoenix mother because her primary fulfillment will come from her children. So her challenge is often that she overgives. She frequently overgives to her family because she actually loves to support other people. So when we do see her out in the world, often she's a community leader, she's a therapist, she's a shaman. She is someone who naturally supports others. So she's kind of like an earth mother, but sometimes she's not recognized for all that she gives and she gets depleted very easily. So the last archetype is the power mother. And I had a lot of friends who were power moms and they are master integrators. So power mom has a very strong sense of who she is before she has children. She has her kids. She has to make some shifts to make her life work. So maybe she hires a nanny. Maybe she gets a night nurse, but very often she goes back to work and she still likes her previous vocation. But what she starts to do is she starts to look for ways to optimize the systems that are in her life because she doesn't necessarily want to leave them. Phoenix mother's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need completely new systems. Like I cannot operate within this world that I was in before. A power mother's like, well, no, I like this world. It just needs to change for me. So she might lead a mom's group at her company. Or, you know, I've even seen power moms start tech companies that serve moms. So she makes things better for the rest of us. And she's amazing in that way, but she also has a very full plate. So the key for power mother is learning to kind of proactively fill her cup so that she doesn't get depleted because she tends to take on a lot because she can, it totally works for her. And she doesn't have to go on that whole journey of self-discovery the way that a shadow mother or a Phoenix mother does. So I'll pause there and Carrie, maybe you can talk a little bit about your experience with the quiz and your archetype. Yeah, absolutely. So um, beautiful. Yeah. So when I took the quiz, what came up was Phoenix mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think that I just answered the questions as honestly as I could. Right. And so I feel like hearing the descriptions, I feel like that's definitely was true of me when I was having my kids. And then what's evolved for me feels a lot more like legacy, you know, mm-hmm. feels a lot more like legacy to me. And I think that it's kind of like that journey, you know, it's the evolution and going through the, the whole archetype of mother, you know, because mother itself is an archetype. So we, you know, I moved, I was very reluctantly moving out of my maiden archetype. <laughs> I think that's what <laughs> lead me because I didn't really, I didn't really want to leave the maiden archetype. I, I wanted to stay the helpless maiden and, you know, looking for the knight in shining armor. So that, that delayed my, my embracing of the mother archetype. But the Phoenix Mother, you know, it definitely woke me up to exploring myself in a deeper way because I couldn't, I had to. Literally everything was hard. It was all challenging, like mentally, emotionally, even physically. My weight was up and down. I was all over the map. So I just had, I had way more challenges than the other mothers that I was in mother's group with. They all seemed to be doing a lot better. Me and another gal were kind of like (laughs) struggling. Everybody else seemed to be just fine. So that part is hard. You know, that part is, it's really hard to, the comparison game between women is super challenging when you're, it's not going well for you as a mother. Like when I experienced when it wasn't going for well, well for me as a mother, 
and I was having all these challenges. And me and my girlfriend, who were both going through that, we were in an extra support group and we're really just doing our best to heal. And we both wanted to be excellent moms, of course. And we're just struggling with, with so much internal healing that needed to happen. And that it was like, you know, then comparing to somebody else who might be more like, you know, the immediate legacy mother, you know, just like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm perfect in every way. I give to my family and I love giving to my family and I like bake those cookies and, you know, all it's like, really? And me and my gal who were in the, the psychotherapy would be like, this just, it's just so awful. You know, in some ways I love these women and it's so awful to be around them, you know? Yeah. And I would say that's very typical of the Phoenix mother. Things do tend to feel harder for her. Not that they don't feel hard for legacy mother. It just manifests in a different way for the Phoenix mother. It's a lot more internal. You know, why is this so hard? Why do I feel this way? I don't know how to support myself. And I went through that with my son. You know, I had gone from being very buttoned up. Everything was working. And on the surface, it still was. When people looked in at me, they felt like, oh yeah, wow, Rachel, she's really successful. But on the inside, I was exhausted. I was out of balance and I didn't know how to bring it back into balance. So what I find is that Phoenix Mother, she will sometimes join a women's circle. And I know that for me, joining my first women's circle, it was called Sacred Motherhood. That was my catalyst to really dive into the feminine and the earth wisdom traditions and my own intuition. Because I think what I've learned through that whole journey is that our bodies hold all the wisdom we've just lost the art of accessing that. And there are lots of different modalities to do that. You know, it's interesting too, because I think that we as a society in Carrie, I know that you've worked with this because you do work with indigenous traditions. We've lost the art of ritual and ceremony and actually ritualizing initiation. So yes, we celebrate birthdays and sure, a mom will get a baby shower, but what do we do for the mother six months postpartum when she really starts to tune into that void that has been left over. And she's like, oh, wow, I knew that I was moving from maiden to mother. But now that I'm here, like, what the heck? And at that point, everyone's focusing on the baby. Nobody's focusing on her. And so when we go through these crucibles, you know, a crucible by definition, it's a vessel where metal is heated to be poured. So metal workers will heat gold in a crucible and then you can shape it, you can pour it. So the mother change is just one example of a crucible, but it's a time in our life that pressurizes us, that cooks us. And if we work with that, we can guide how we're shaped on the other side. And not everyone wants to do that work. Not everyone needs to do that work. Phoenix mother has to do it. Shadow mother has yeah. to do it. Those two are no choice. an option. Yeah. And that's partly why it's so challenging for them because they, they, they are already raw. Yeah. Raw is a good word to describe it. I would say it's such a big transition. And I, when I look back, I think, gosh, I don't know that I would have listened to what anybody said, you know, going into that pregnancy. I just thought, it's going to be the same, right? It'll just be me and my husband and now we'll have a baby. That's all. It'll just be that. Like, that's how it's going to change. And like, no clue how it was going to actually change my life. Like, that it was going to be so thorough, you know, that it was going to just change everything about me. I think that, um, I'm not sure that I would have believed anybody who told me that either. Because you don't know until you go through it yourself and you can't, there's no frame of reference. And I think that's why it's tough for shadow moms and Phoenix moms. Again, it's still tough for legacy and power moms, but in different ways. But for those first two archetypes, they can't even explain to other people in a way that they'll understand. And so that's part of the work that I do is really around claiming the crucible, which is all about 
going into it to pull out the wisdom and the experience through that healing process and then figuring out how to talk about it to other people. Because I think as women, when we begin to find our feminine power, often we feel it within ourselves before we can communicate it to others. And this is true whether you're an entrepreneur or not, but especially for women who start businesses, because then it's doubly important to be able to articulate your gifts and connect through the power of story. So it's important that, you know, we kind of go back in and rewrite those narratives. That's why I like to talk about these experiences as initiations or crucibles. They are moments that define us. And that can be in a positive way. You know, objectively speaking, was losing my twins at 20 weeks, a positive experience? Well, no, nobody would want to go through that. However, on the other side, I was profoundly changed, profoundly changed. And once I learned how to talk about that, well, it became the source of my power. It became a big source of power that inspired and connected and guides a lot of the work that I do today. But we have to be willing, and you and I have talked about this before, we have to be willing to step out of that victim mentality in order to really claim, hey, yes, this was hard. It was not fun to be in the crucible and it hurts while you're in there. But look how I'm transformed on the other side. You know, there's something interesting too that I wonder and is that I know that with my own children, when they came through me, my first child really sort of took the hit. Like he, first child, he just took all the ancestral load Mm -hmm. onto himself. And my second child has had a little easier of a time with it because he was the second one. So I just noticed when I look at them, also, I've noticed the state of being that I was in with my first child. It was the first time, right? I had no idea what to expect. I was not slowing down, right? I was like powering through with my consulting business. We were we were um, renovating our house. I was sitting in sweltering heat in the office, like <laughs> doing work with, the, with you know, because we didn't have any insulation because they were doing the house. And then we moved all of our stuff into an apartment. All that happened like into months before he was born, right? So just like loud noises and all kinds of things going on in the environment. Because I'm just powering through, like I'm going to make this house it's going to be perfect. And then it's going to be all perfect when he shows up. And I didn't give myself any rest. Right. So when he showed up, I was like already frazzled from renovating our house. And then here's this baby. And so his beginning was really different than my other son, because by the time I got through that, I knew better. Right. So I I had plenty of downtime. It was quiet. I didn't have all the loud noises. We didn't do any renovation projects you know, that we did everything that we were going to do before he showed up. And then we just like chilled. I worked less hours. I spent time with my other son, you know, so I had such a more mellow experience. And when I see the person that he is, he's very different than my first son. So that has led my inquiry into like, how do people, how do babies form? And like, what's, what's getting passed to them? And, and how, how is their personality formed? And, and how do we, how do we best support our babies and having the most positive start. These are all things I only know after the fact. So I think probably most mothers listening to me are like, yeah, those are just things I knew after the fact. So what, what advice do you have for those mothers? Like now that you know that you were a Phoenix mother and now that you know that you were a death mother and you didn't process it, maybe because you didn't have the tools, what's your recommendation for people? Well, it's never too late to go back to the crucible. And that's where we always start because there's always more wisdom to be reaped. You know, it's just like another turn around the wheel. 
there's always more to be healed and cleared and gained. So I would say going back to that crucible still holds the value. Also, your mother change is not your only crucible. So divorce is a crucible. Illness, being bullied as a kid. We have many of these throughout life. So whether you are in the mother change right now or you're a couple of decades out from it. I've done some of this work with my mother and she's in her 60s now. And it's amazing actually, because she and I have been doing a lot of ancestral healing with our mother line following the loss of my latest daughter to really clear that because you know questions do come up like, why do I keep losing my girls? And it's interesting, I'm doing some work with astrology right now and you can see it in my chart and it's connected to my mother and my mother line. So crucibles and these experiences, they're always portals for healing. So whether or not you think it's impacting your life today, chances are there's still wisdom that you could pull out because it's never too late to claim that power, to claim the power from our experience. Yeah, I love that. There is no time and space. It's all timelessness. We can heal everything in the now. You know, there's moments that I go back for my both of my sons in doing the ancestral healing. And I just, I put myself in a moment that I remember them being inside my womb. And I just put my hands on my belly and I just send light. I just send light and love. And I just like, like, I love you completely. You know, you're safe. And I just send all this love, you know, into my womb. And I just, I, I know that at some level that is healing them as well. You know, healing me and rewriting the story of how they came into being. And healing them too from this new, this new story, this new energetic from a mom that's healed, you know, from a mom that's taken the journey. And how would I do differently if I could go back? Well, I can go back. I can go back and sit there with myself and bring myself, you know, a new frequency of what it means to be a mom from this experience Mm -hmm. level. That's so beautiful. And it really rings true because in many ways, I actually feel like I mother my mother. (laughs) And no doubt. yeah. And I, as I've progressed on my journey, she's, she's come along with me and she's been interested and inspired. And so to watch her own healing, she's done some healing with her mother who has passed. And I think all of that ripples down energetically. And it's funny. I sort of giggle a little bit when I talk about the energetics, because, you know, I came from Yale and growing up, this was so out of my frame of reference, but I think that through these crucibles, we do begin to open up to everything else that we have access to. And it's extremely potent. And I've witnessed the healing in my mother, who's, I think she's 64 now. And she went back and healed her her mother wound. And it's been profound for her. So it's really never too late because we always have blocks that are ready to be removed when we're ready. I mean, I think so much of it is about honoring the season that we're at and honoring where we've been. There is no judgment, when we can approach that from a place of compassion, we're really able to go into it as more of a tool. Oh yeah. Beautiful. I love that. Well, so I really appreciate this conversation. I hope that this has served the people who are, you know, everyone who's listening. I hope that you got something from this and, and uh, what are some ways that people can get started with you? I know they can go to your website, right? And, and take the quiz for themselves, the Mother Change. Yeah, you can go to motherchangequiz.com if you're a mama or send it to someone who is a mama. My website is uncorporate.com. And then I'm on Instagram. So you can follow me at uncorporate. And I do a photo shoot every quarter that really brings some of these archetypes to life. And it's beautiful. So I highly recommend following me there. And then I have the podcast as well. So the Divine Feminine CEO podcast, and you can come and hear Carrie. 
Awesome. Check it out. All right. So uh, you guys know what to do now. I'm always asking, please share this out with anybody that you know that this would serve, um, that they could help illuminate, add some new things to think about, consider, uh, maybe share it with some moms. And please share it out to social media and like, subscribe, follow all the all the words. Please do all those things to help it get more out there in the world because this is how it works with social media. We need your help to engage to make it go bigger. And we're gonna give kisses now. Are you ready to give kisses? We're gonna always kiss yes. All right, here come your kisses, everybody. Right. Love you so much, and see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Soul